All right, noon has arrived on the East Coast here. Um, so hey everyone, I'm Alexia Benner. I'm a talent leader here at Living HR. And if you haven't met us before, um, we exist to humanize work and provide lift for the people function. Um, so we're making work better by building inclusive cultures and experiences um, and, and talent who are inspired to be better humans at work and reach their potential. So if you think about it, we operate a lot like an agency for the people function. So much like a marketing agency would for the marketing function, our target audience in this case are humans at work. Um, we are so excited to have you here with us today for a really fun discussion about tech and humans in the workplace and more specifically how tech enables us to further humanize work and build those connections. I am joined by an amazing uh, group of panelists joining us from all over. Um, they all bring a very diverse set of backgrounds and experiences, experiences to this topic. And I'm gonna let them do a more um, thorough introduction of themselves in a moment. But joining us, we have Star Carter, who is co-founder and COO of Canaries. We have Thomas, and Thomas, please correct me if I do this incorrectly, but Aispor, uh, CEO, Innovate. Um, we've got Ryan O'Donnell, who's the CEO of Employ Us. We've got Skip Marshall, CEO of InTech Ideas, and then Madeline Lorano, founder of Aptitude Research. Um, so today we're going to be talking about technology and its impact on humanizing work. For me, leveraging great tech makes it, it's, it makes it so much easier to focus on the human to human interactions, not only because of technology like Zoom or Slack, um, but also because it can really automate some of the more manual things that we do, which takes our time away from building those relationships and working together. Um, and at Living HR, we work really closely with our clients to help them optimize the tech that they already have, and in some cases, help them implement new technology so that they can optimize um, what they're really doing and build those relationships with their people. Um, and I think, especially in light of what's been going on, we've seen all of the great things that tech can do. And there's, there's all these new solutions and technologies coming out. So it's really exciting to see how the pandemic, while very tragic in so many ways, um, it's created some, some really great innovative solutions for things. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today, um, how tech has really impacted our experience as humans in the workplace and what we can look towards as things evolve. So a couple of reminders really quickly. Um, at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a chat and QA for thoughtful questions, ideas, acknowledgement. If you just wanna show some support because you know, these panelists have a really tough job kind of talking into the void. Um, so we'll cover the questions that get sent through the Q&A usually in the last couple of minutes. Um, please don't use the chat to disrupt or degrade the event with hatred. We do have a pretty strict no trolls policy. So you'll get the boot pretty promptly if that's what you're using chat for. Um, and on that note, you can see us, but we can't see you. So please feel free to grab lunch, a snack, let your dog out, go for a walk while you're engaging with us, um, have a cocktail, depending on where you are and what you're up to today. Um, but this is kind of a come as you are event. Um, we have our amazing partners at Drawing Booth doing some real-time artwork today. Um, and just so everyone knows, this event is recorded. And so we'll be sharing that recording with everybody after the event closes. If you have any issues at all as an attendee, email info at livinghr.com. And my colleague, Alexandra, will be right there to help you out. So without further ado, I'd like to turn it over to each of our panelists to introduce themselves. Um, 
what you do and and where you're broadcasting from. So Skip, you are first up for me in terms of how I see people. So you are first. Well, as, as much as I would love to be broadcasting from the Cayman Islands, as my background is kind of alluding to, I'm actually in Tampa, Florida. Um, as mentioned, I'm from Intech Ideas, and we focus on technology solutions to um, improve the business experience and really empowering companies for the future of work. Uh, my background is in HR technologies um, you know, for, gosh, probably more years than I want to count. I've got plenty of gray hairs to show for it. Um, but uh, it has been a longtime passion of mine, um, and I look forward to this conversation. Awesome. Thanks, Skip. Ryan, you are next for me. Awesome. I'm Ryan O'Donnell. I'm the founder and CEO of a software company called Employ Us. Uh, we help companies run employee referral programs, make that their number one source of hires. Uh, I got my start as a recruiter, and uh, honestly, just I hated it. And I found that the best hires I always got came from referrals. And I wanted to find a way to like stop cold calling people and get warm leads. So that's, that's kind of what propelled me to start Employ Us about five years ago. Uh, I'm calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, and I also asked called uh, People Talk, where I interview uh, VPs of HR and recruiting uh, about similar topics and dive into what they're doing to improve their own workplaces. Um, thanks, Ryan. Thomas? Thank you, Alexia. Uh, Thomas Reichspur. I'm the CEO founder of Innovate, and um, we have nothing to do with HR uh, from a selling systems or things like that. Uh, I think I'm being invited because I like to push and provoke the boundaries of uh, how employers are uh, treating their team members or employees, as some will call them. And, um, and we um, have had an amazing journey for we were six years old and went from nothing to 400 people. And, uh, and uh, I went around firing all the bosses so people could get a life. Awesome. Thanks, Thomas. <laughs> Madeline? Hi, everyone. My name is Madeline Lerano, and I'm the founder of a company called Aptitude Research. We do research and advisory on human capital management, technology and strategies. And I am thrilled to be here. I spend a lot of time researching technology and talking about technology and talking to companies about how they use technology. So I'm excited to, to share some of that today. Awesome, thank you. And Star. Hi, everybody. Um, I am Star Carter. I am a co-founder and the COO of Canaries. My past life's in legal, so how ironic that I'm on a panel about technology because legal, the legal industry is some of the slowest folks to adopt new technologies in my experience. But um, now I co-founded the company Canaries, which is a diversity, equity, and inclusion technology company. So that's where my expertise is currently. Um, we walk alongside companies. We do all kinds of employer and employee assessments to help companies keep a finger on the pulse on how they're doing in diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, we have an amazing partnership with Living HR where they help us provide the informed strategy around diversity, equity, inclusion for our company partners. Um, and I'm excited to be here today and talk about DEI technology specifically, which is a relatively new field. Uh, most companies are 10 years or less in the field. So thanks for having me today. Awesome. Thanks, Star. So to get things started, um, you know, I would love for each of you to share a little bit about your perspective on why using technology is so important to humanizing uh, people's work experience. And I'm going to open it up to you also. Whoever wants to grab that can go ahead and kick things off. I can start from a DEI perspective, especially 
now, um, right? We're in the midst, some like to say it's over, but we're in the midst of a viral pandemic. Um, and so a lot of folks are still working at home. Uh, some companies have allowed some employees to come back in. And so it is so important, I think, to bridge that gap, especially as the workplace is looking different. Uh, we have half of the employee workforce in the office. You may be in a situation or a company where the entire workforce is still working remotely. Um, and it makes a lot of sense to utilize technology and digitize your communication, your project management tools, things like that, to bring humans uh, together to get things done. Um, specifically from a DEI space, I quickly talked about the viral pandemic. Um, we're also in the midst, and um, I personally word it as an ongoing racial pandemic. Uh, we have things going on. We have a new renewed focus in society on racial justice. Um, and there is a true need to check in on your all employees, but primarily with a special focus on your diverse employees, specifically your black employee experience, making sure that they're good from a mental health, from a physical health uh, perspective, and making sure all your employees are okay, especially from a mental health perspective, perspective with the viral pandemic. Um, and so that's where, where Canaries has come in, my company, with respect to keeping a finger on the pulse. And having technology, I think the importance of that and now and the future of work, because I think the future of work is going to be forever changed, uh, using this technology to keep folks connected and to get work done. Yeah, I think something interesting has, has actually happened with really many, if not everybody in companies being forced to remote, uh, work remotely. Remote work wasn't something that was brand new, but you know, before this kind of transition, uh, remote workers were often felt disconnected and not able to, to socialize and connect. You know, the water cooler talk, all of those things were challenges for remote workers. And I think there have been a lot of aha moments going on. Um, and you know, it's something as simple as even using the video cameras as part of the technology. There's a lot of debate over that whether you have video conferences you make put on make people put on the video cameras or not but it is now make people very much aware of those that aren't in the room need to be connected and need to be brought in and uh, you know those relationships built even if they're not physically present and you know so it's we're seeing lots of really powerful uses of technology to do just that i think it's a shift too in how we think about technology i mean also like workplace technology has been in place for a long time, but the benefit has always been on the employer. We invest in solutions that can help our companies get insights, collect data on our employees, track our employees, figure out how to manage our employees. And this shift, I think that's really been accelerated this year and will continue is to think about the benefit to the individual, to the employee. Um, how do we think about solutions that improve communication, that improve DE, and so you started your point. So our employees feel safe, that they feel that they can talk about issues that they're struggling with, that they have well-being options to be able to support them in their personal lives and in their professional lives. And that's a really different way to think about technology because you're investing in something that's not going to benefit, in your mind, your organization. It benefits the individuals. Um, so I think that's, that's another big shift that, that I think we'll continue to see for the future. Yeah, I think so much of this from, from a technology side, it's also a lot less of like new HR tech tools necessarily, but it's tools that aren't necessarily used by HR professionals that are making a huge impact on people's actual experiences. So there's, there's like the obvious examples of like how teams are using Slack, right, um, to communicate and get work done. 
But, you know, I know like for our company, like um, we barely use a tool called Loom to, you know, send like video recordings. And now that's like a daily tool for us of, you know, I can jump on, show a quick screen share of a bug or a feature request or mock something up and send that to a client or to a teammate or to, you know, uh, debug a problem. Whereas before it'd be like, hey guys, we gotta have a meeting. We gotta get in the conference room. We gotta walk through this. I can record something for two minutes, save everyone a lot of time and be very clear as to what problem we're trying to solve. And a lot of tools, a lot of things that just employees are doing because they have to. They're just stuck in their, you know, spare bedrooms getting work done. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, of course, we're using this all the tools that you guys are talking about and so forth. But I am wondering if, um, if, if it was actually the pandemic and the sad loss of George Floyd and other uh, African Americans that got us together, not the technology. Because I've seen a change in the conversation when people call, uh, because now we have something to talk about. How are you doing, and how is your family doing, and so forth. Um, but what, what I and that's what I personally think was getting us together, and then the technology is just making it easier for us to connect. But but I, somehow the the pandemic and and all of the problems we have here in the states have, uh, for at least some of us, brought people together. Um, and 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 uh, and then we can use the technology to communicate. But but I think it comes from somewhere else. But maybe I'm wrong here. I think it's that's very important, and I, I constantly stress when I'm working with our clients that you know they need to be thinking about the people, not the technology. Technology is is the enhancer or the optimizer, um, and it it creates those opportunities. But you know it can go good or bad depending on how you use it. Um, Madeline, you're talking about kind of the the measurements of people. Um, that was one of the early things that had me very concerned was the kind of the specter of employee surveillance just shot up and everybody's talking about how do they monitor their people? Um, and that was such the wrong question to be asking. Um, fortunately, we're starting to see that shift away, but you know, even today, you know, you can go onto Facebook or LinkedIn, you're seeing ads for what I would call surveillance software of your employees. And, you know, I really warn companies that if that's your first thought, you're making a major <laughs> mistake with your culture. <laughs> Thomas is going to come along and fire your CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I think companies, I mean, they really have to think through and, you know, I do this as well as a leader within my own company. How do you put your employees first? Because at the end of the day, at the end, when this, when all the pandemic stuff and things, we have some semblance of normalcy, right? Employees are going to remember how they were treated during these times. And at some point we're going to return back to a huge talent squeeze like we've had the past X amount of years. Um, and it's gonna be a competitive thing. And these companies are gonna be competing for talent. And um, I dare to say that a lot of employees are gonna be asking questions. How did you support your employees during the pandemic? Why they're interviewing with companies. How did you support your diverse employees with George Floyd and things that were going on along those times to really figure out where do they wanna work? Because um, more and more employees are demanding more of their employers and employees were seeing a trend. They're feeling more mobilized. Right, they are feeling empowered to ask those tough questions. Where in the past, they might not have felt comfortable to ask specific questions about DEI, about George Floyd, about support. Um, so it's really important for employees to stay on top of that for, for their future. And it impacts the customer experience too, right? Because it's Absolutely. like that the employees are asking about it. And then as a customer, I look at those brands that have treated their employees right, that have taken a strong stance with DEI. 
And those are companies I want to be customers of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember one example, I think this was back maybe in like May, but obviously there were a lot of layoffs that had been done. Some companies more public about them uh, than others. But I think we can all remember like my LinkedIn feed got flooded for about two weeks when Airbnb did their layoffs because right. everyone that you were connected to that had anything to do with Airbnb was saying, you know, I got laid off. I'm still here. I'm hiring. You know, this was my best, you know, coworker. Please help them get their next job. And uh, you, you wouldn't see that, you know, uh, a year ago necessarily. And, and I'm like, hey, I'm not getting an Airbnb anytime soon, but I, I am now have Airbnb top of mind and everyone can remember Airbnb treating their employees well. Yeah, so what, what we did, uh, so when the, when the, the, pan, pandemic, the pandemic hit early March, so I'm, I'm from Denmark originally, so I still read the Danish news and can see Europe was, you know, two to four weeks ahead of the, uh, from a pandemic perspective. So I kind of knew what was coming. And, and uh, we had a leadership meeting where we talked about what, 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 how do we respond, how do we react and, and so forth. And my answer was, I have no idea. How should I, I I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred years old, so I didn't try the Spanish flu, so I have no idea. And, and I said, why don't we just invite all 400 people to a call and say, we don't know what to do. Let's figure it out together. Both from a you know, uh, you know, technology perspective, how do you start communicating when we have to shut down the offices and in different time zones and, you know, different mentalities and people. And then how do we then go to our customers, figure out how do we, you know, because we, we already in was it February 22nd or 3rd, we ask everyone to go, to go home from the, from the, our customers workspace and people was wow. complaining left and right. And now you're exaggerating. And then two weeks later, Hey, thanks for, 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 for saving our life and so forth. But then we have to change that because we usually sit out with the customers and they were not prepared, we were not prepared. And, but, but it worked because you had 400 people figuring it out. And there's some smart young people that knows more than us, older people and so forth and had some good ideas and, uh, and that helped. I think that transparency becomes the important part, right? So it's it's making sure that that your team and your, your uh, colleagues understand that you don't have all the answers necessarily um, and that um, you know and kind of a little away from the technology side but that's really about that the kind of the humanness of, of the organization um, and you know it's not just about being transparent but it's about being authentic and being you know real about what's going on yeah I yeah. That. yeah we tell company partners the same thing because we get some responses about well we don't know how to talk to our diverse individuals or you know we don't know what to do with the ai and our first comment to them is be honest about that just be honest because i will i guarantee your employee is going to be more appreciative of that approach than the fake it till you make it because you're going to get called out <laughs> um, on those things yep. specifically mm -hmm. and so I, I totally agree i couldn't agree more skip and thomas on that point You guys are making really great points, right, on, on transparency and the humanity of work and how that's really critical, right? And things are so public now. Everything that companies do, employees are broadcasting that and, and you can gain or lose, to Ryan's point, you can gain or lose customers based on how you're treating your people. It's all very, very public now. Um, so kind of taking that a step further, 
you know, with the pandemic and all the innovations that we've seen in tech and how we're using it, right? We might not be using it the same way we were six months, a year ago. Um, what do you see now happening in the tech space more and more? And what do you think will continue to happen on that, on that lens moving forward? What do we think some of the trends will be? I think we will have, um, you know, a very fluent workspace um, where, you know, you decide if you want to work from home or be in the office and, and, uh, and it's not like small, with, you, you have to open up for the, stop the policies and the rules and that people figure it out. And then, and then make sure you have the right technology, but also educate people because, you know, I, I've seen people in, in the weirdest uh, set of clothes at a conference called the video or sitting in, in, the, in the man cave with the bar behind them and trying to sell something. And so we need to educate them when when you are on video that you still dress up for work even that you're working from home um, but i think it'd be very fluent between offices and 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 remote and which i think is a cool thing because when we need to be in the office we are in the office and when we need to pick up our kids we pick up our kids and to be more fluent and and then we as a leader have a responsibility to make sure you're not connected 24 7 because it is not healthy um you know as, as, as i was saying when we chatted before i believe in the seven eight hours workday not 12 hours so then you have to educate people on switching off the phone and especially on vacation and because it becomes very dangerous with this fluent technology and we're always on, but we have to disconnect and be with our families and friends so we can, can relax and come back and re-energize. Yeah, I think you said something that I think it's, it's really important. I think we're one of the things that's starting to come down is the perspectives on using technology. And we're actually even seeing some of that happen with very public figures getting into trouble uh, for being on video camera when they shouldn't be. And, you know, but it's what's happening with that, though, is really interesting because it's people need to recognize that that is, in terms of video conferencing in particular, you might as well be in the office together. You might as well physically be present. You need to treat it as such, right? So to your point, Thomas, about dressing professionally and, and, and doing it right is important. Um, I do also think that it's, it provides an opportunity to leverage that technology to bring, again, going back to really the, the topic of uh, this conversation about humanizing work, to bring your real self as part of that, right? And, and so often when we come to the workplace, when we come to traditional office, we do dress up and we set aside who our personal self is. Um, and those walls are starting to come down and you're starting to see, see kind of the more natural people um, as, as they react and, you know, they're in their environment, whether they put up a fake background or they have their real backgrounds and you just get some personalities there. Um, so I think that's, that's a, a really positive change that's starting to happen. I think another one is communication too. I mean, I think when I think about what some of the changes have been this year and then looking to the future, uh, communication has to change in terms of content and the way that we communicate and the empathy, we hear empathy a lot being used in, in communicating with employees, but also the tools. You know, there has to be some type of omni-channel communication strategy where some people aren't comfortable on video. We all use it. I've become yeah. more comfortable on video the more I work from home, but not everybody is. And that's important to consider. So, you know, we're seeing, you know, chat being used more and more with, with companies through different stages of the employee life cycle. Um, text, you know, being, being an option, you know, what are the different ways that we can communicate? And then what does that communication look like? You know, what's the content? Is it around well-being? Is it around DEI? Is it around uh, recognition and recognizing our employees for, for the work that they're doing? 
Uh, I, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, everyone was like, oh, we're going to do another Zoom happy hour. And I was like, <laughs> there's like nothing that I would, you know, like to do less than a Zoom happy hour <laughs> after going back to Zoom calls all day with y'all. Like, I love you. My team's great. But like, let's not do that. <laughs> let's figure out something else yeah. that we could do that is uh, that is not just, okay, y'all, moving from one Zoom meeting to the other. Let me go put on my flip-flops and you know, my Hawaii t-shirt. <laughs> Ryan, 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 I might, I might disagree on that um, because we, um, if, uh, we have used teams, but I think it's the same purpose. So, so we do have those happy hours and they're super awkward when you have 200 people sitting in the same happy hour, but then if yeah. you break it up to smaller happy hours and, and, uh, and, and, and then throw in some good topics that is non-work related because that's where people normally start, you, you start having people disconnected. What, what we have actually done in, in our company, we um, every morning at seven o'clock, um, we have a workout with Peggy, where we hire a professional trainer, only 15 minutes. And uh, we have uh, you know, sometimes more than 200 people uh, uh, dancing and, and jumping and what have you, which, which uh, is healthy, but it's also mentally healthy because you kind of disconnect from the day and you, then you connect and start the day. And then, and then we have every Thursday, we have virtual uh, cooking lessons, which is... Uh, I have really been pro, uh, pushing my own boundaries on that perspective, but it's super fun and to to just see people in, the, in their home environment and relax because you do connect on that. So, so I might yeah. disagree with the heavy hour. I, I, I um, you're some fun. Yeah, you're some fun. Yeah, thinking through that really and how um, technology can have true disparate impact on your employees. So. Um, you know, we've had employees contact us about their discomfort with happy hours because that's how it's worded because they have addiction issues um, and everyone has a drink. Everyone have your drink? No, I'm an addict and I don't have a drink. Um, right. So there's things like that you really have to think through and, and thinking through, you know, maybe a workout session or a yoga session might make more sense to build camaraderie as we work remotely. Um, I will say, I think it was McKinsey did a global study and said across globally, um, companies have sped up their 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 digitization um, of customer and supply chain interactions internal operations and anywhere depending on which facet of those things have been sped up amazingly by their estimates anywhere from four to seven years so companies are starting to to really speed up their adoption of technology i mentioned that Again, I come from legal. It's a very slow adoption process in that industry. But I think everyone has made really fair points. I think we're gonna see a lot more things move into a digital um, space, even from training and personal development aspects. If you think about it and you think about the future and training sessions, which traditionally have been a lot of times in person in crowded training rooms, uh, moving that digitally, allowing your employees to be able to access training resources online. Um, I think we're going to see much more streamlined operations, something I personally, who heads up operations, had to really think through. How do we uh, make adjustments? How do we digitize that? How do we get rid of the heavy paper and multiple meeting in person type thing that I think a lot of us have hit on here. How do we best utilize project tools? Um, and how do we think through how each of these things affect our employees? Because a lot of the big corporations are gonna have employees that aren't corporate. They are distributors, they are in warehouses. They don't have access to things as uh, Madeline mentioned, thinking through other alternatives for your employees who may not have access to the fancy uh, laptops and videos and all that equipment. All that has to be thought through. But so I think, I think we're going to continue seeing uh, continued digitization 
Um, and, you know, we're here to implore employers to think through how does that affect your entire employee base and making sure that you're thoughtful and you're intentional, um, that you're implementing things that doesn't have a disparate impact on some of your employees. I think you hit on something really important there. It, there is no one size fits all approach for organizations. And that's the biggest mistake companies make is they say, hey, I want to do it just like those folks do it. It doesn't work right? Because everything from your resources to your culture, to your demographics, to your um, kind of where you're located, it, it all impacts how you're going to leverage technology solutions. So it's, it will, it will matter um, that you focus on what works for you and your organization and not what works for others. And while we're um, talking about training star a question came into the chat um, and i think it's relevant timing wise so is there any technology that can encourage or incentivize participants to be on camera during meetings during training to help encourage that participation what do you guys think about that well or what I, have you I seen can tell work? you i i think there's lo lots of ways you can do that one i'm not a big fan of mandating being on video quite honestly i think that's i think you can encourage it and some people do and some people don't. If you look even just internally with, with my organization, there are some that are always on video and some that are not, and some that do it from time to time. But you know, what I recommend with folks is, is have fun with it. You know, and you notice my background, part of what I do is I have different backgrounds and I'll put, you know, actually I had a Halloween background I was gonna pop up earlier and use that instead. But you know, it, it creates conversation starters and there's just ways to kind of lower the the nerves a little bit around being on video when people realize it's really not all that much different from being in person right um, and you just you just have to make people you know have that opportunity to be more comfortable and let them do it on their own terms and it, it just is when you make it more accepting it works a lot easier well i think it's important uh, somebody said that not everybody is comfortable in front of a camera um, so so what we do is when when we see people we want everybody to be on camera um, because we want them to be engaged and, and, and so forth. But we, if we see people that's not on camera, we, we are reaching out to them on a one-on-one -on -one to try to understand what's going on. Of course, if you're in a noisy place or, or so, that, that's different. But there's people that where, where you need to handhold them a little bit and give them some courage and work on their you know, confidence and so forth, and, and then they will get there eventually. I think that's right. I think it's less about incentivizing them and more about helping them understand uh, how it can be a better experience for them. And there are different, like every, everybody has a different comfort level with video in general, but there's also certain things about video that not everyone understands. Like you need a window, you can't have a window behind, you need to face a window. Little things like that, that, you know, people that have worked in an office haven't, you know, had to experience. So I know Zoom is like one example, they have a lot of tips on, on how to prepare for video. I know other video providers do the same thing, but I think companies can take that that on themselves as well and help to you know work with with individuals to make them feel more comfortable i totally agree i think it's a i think it's an exercise in building trust you know i think if you mandate it that's a terrible place to start i think you have to build trust and, and encouragement and you'll eventually see people get on the video as they get more comfortable as you reach out um, and ask the questions one-on-one -on -one, not putting anyone on the spot about not being on video i think it's just a an overtime trust building exercise where you're, you'll see more and more employees putting on their their camera and starting to have fun with it uh, like skip mentioned earlier 
Um, but I, I really think it's an exercise in building trust in order to get your employees to show themselves on video and encouraging them versus um, a direct incentivization. And I'd just add that, you know, I, we take a kind of a hybrid approach of what Tom and Thomas and Ryan had suggested. Um, we don't really do happy hours, um, but what we do have is we start our meetings with just informal conversation and chit chat, just as if you were in an office, around a water cooler, whatever, finding out how the family's doing, you know, talking about the cat that walks across the screen, you know, the, the teenagers that come walking in, make random appearances, and it just makes it, once you kind of break down those barriers and make it a bit more personal, it starts spot on. It's just about really getting that, that trust factor built up. So, so our team in the, in Ukraine, they did something super cool that we have been stealing. Um, so they um, they they went into the office and and put up a camera in the kitchen, and then they have virtual kitchen. So they everybody when you know, take a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, then you log on to the virtual kitchen. Uh, so there's virtual kitchen hours, and there will almost be somebody nice. in the kitchen, and then you have this chit chat. Uh, I love that idea. It's a great idea. Love that. I love how that's that's encouraging more real time communication too. That's really fun. Um, so, what are for those of you who are CEOs of, of tech tools or platforms besides the ones that you are are at the helm of? But what are some of your favorite platforms or tools um, to really engage with other people or to or to allow you to focus on more human to human experiences? And Skip, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit with, <laughs> with mm -hmm, that you were telling us about earlier, because I think that was yes. that was really interesting. So I'll, I'll I'll say no, we're not we are not sponsored by mm -hmm, and yes, the application is called mm -hmm, M M H M M, <laughs> um, but that's actually the video tool that that I use, um, and it is you know allows you to you know brighten up your your conversations, do more with them, um, have some fun with them. In fact, I'll. Uh, for those of you that are Star Wars fans, I'll go, I'll go Jedi on you. <laughs> um, you know, so you can just have fun with it. So and that's, and that's really, that's why I use it. And like, I use the backgrounds. It's not that I'm afraid of the background behind me, although it, it actually started funny story with that was my wife noticed that we're doing more video conferencing and I've got pictures of my wife and kids that are actually up behind me, which you can't, can't see because of the green screen. But now she, you know, she was not super excited about that, but then now I have a permanent green screen that's up on my wall. <laughs> She's not a big fan of that either, since it's at the front of our house. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so mm -hmm is a is a great application. It's actually out in beta right now. You have to sign up for it um, and kind of get on the waiting list. But um, tools like that that just allow you to have still stay professional, still stay within the work environment, have fun with it is um, you know a great thing. I'd say one thing that um, I've noticed too. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Slack and just being able to do things uh, with that, building custom bots with it. Uh, I, I think whatever technology that you're looking at for for your company, it you have to think about um, simple technology too, because I think the luxury we had before COVID and before everything happened this year is that you could have an implementation process, you could have a change management process, you could have this learning curve, and now everybody's working remotely, everybody's doing way more than, than they've done before and doing more with less. So, you know, looking at solutions that are intuitive, that are um, simple, that employees are actually going to adopt is, is really important. You know, I think the collaboration tools like Slack, the video tools, um, 
you know, employees are feeling undervalued and they're not recognized. There's a lot of recognition solutions out there. A lot of people don't know what those are, but they're actually platforms where you, you can recognize employees and encourage peers to recognize each other just on like a social feed. Um, and it, it sounds a little uh, fluffy, I think, for a lot of people, but it really brings people together um, and, you know, encourages them to, to recognize each other and show appreciation, which, which ultimately motivates them. So there's a lot of different really uh, cool solutions out there to, I think, keep people connected. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was just gonna say, I, you know, I encourage people to do some research because there are a lot of platforms out there. I think from the DEI space, there's various ones too, when you're looking at DEI technology. Uh, one com that comes to mind in the hiring space is one like Textio. It's a software program that helps you um, with your job descriptions, remove bias. I mean, we all know certain words attract men over women. There's things that uh, will turn off folks. There's ways in how you list the qualifications you're seeking that might turn off a specific group. Um, so they help with that job description process. There's a number of them that remove demographic data from resume too. Some of the names are escaping me, but things like that from the DEI kind of hiring space, there's several, uh, uh, platforms out there and uh, you know as you do more research and kind of uh, google what you're looking for I agree with Madeline there are tons that I've never even heard of in the DEI space and beyond um, that could be helpful to a uh, to a company as they try to figure out how do we uh, tap into our DEI efforts both from a hiring and from a retention standpoint. There's one I just saw predictive hire for interviewing and they do they do interviewing through chat for high volume so it's blinded interviews. So you're asking everyone the same question and you know, it reduces bias. And you know, I think it's, it kind of plays into making better decisions. And I've had a number of friends tell me, cause I'm not in the looking for job space, but who are looking for jobs and have come across new technologies on the interview process to your point, Madeline, where they are not talking to people because of volume, but it's like, a, you have um, the ability to tape yourself um, and tape yourself up to a certain amount of times, like it's submitted as a first round. Um, there's just a lot of cool technologies out there to address what's going on currently with the pandemic and everything's going on. But, but yes, um, something like you mentioned, Madeline's another one that's really good in the DEI space. One of the areas I'm personally struggling with, and I wish I could draw drawings like, like they're doing on the screen here, that, that's the, you know when you have a brainstorming session as a CEO most of your time is to uh, as my board said we pay you to think not to do anything and and uh, I struggle not being in front of a whiteboard with a handful of people and thinking big thoughts does anyone you have any great tools to recommend doing brainstorming sessions since we can't draw us as the person drawing here well I can I can tell you my iPad has become my favorite thing especially in this in, in a in an Apple pencil and iPad and, and uh, drawing tools uh, because you can share those and just like you're on a whiteboard because um, I too if I could show you the corner of my office you'd see a big whiteboard up because that's just kind of where I you know feel comfortable and enjoy enjoy uh, having discussions and thinking and um, you know so finding those technologies and it's different for everybody you have different things but uh, being a being a Mac fan uh, my iPad and Apple Pencil has uh, become indispensable during <laughs> this changing time. I will test and, it out. And one of the tools, Thomas, we use here at Living HR is Mural. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, 
it really, it really creates this great um, collaboration space, almost like if you were in a room together um, and you had these whiteboards, you can brand it, you can do all kinds of cool things with it. There's sticky notes um, and employees can see it and engage with it lifetime. So that's something that we use um, and we really, we really love it. But what did you call it, Mural? Mural, M-U-R-A-L. Mm -hmm. we've, uh, we've been using a fun one called uh, Whimsical which like that's also just a cool name <laughs> but uh we, we originally were using it for prototyping and and, and you know creating like product uh, mock-ups and things along those lines um but they've got some great things for like building out mind maps and you know multiple people can be on the same one so you'll have people you know throwing in a screenshot and being like hey this, what if this thing kind of did this and they're copying different features or um kind of arranging their thought process be like what if we just kind of followed this pathway down and uh, that's been a, a really useful tool for us because we're very much addicted to our, our whiteboards. And uh, we tried like hanging a whiteboard and working on that and that did not work. It, it did not have the same kind of effect. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure there's tons more tools for that. I mean, as a young company, we have to be economical. And so we just, we, thank goodness, before the viral um, pandemic hit the US specifically, had come to the realization that we had a lot of team members that weren't based here in Dallas where we are, um, and we needed something that was more cohesive. So probably about two months before COVID hit, we said, you know what, we've really got to push a solution hard. We were kind of sporadically using Slack. Some people were never getting on it. Um, and so we did a big push to move to Teams. That was our selection. Um, and so we moved the teams right before it hit. And thank goodness, the need for a cohesive communication uh, kind of slash project management tool came to light even more so even with our Dallas sites who worked in the Dallas office because everyone started working remotely. So we just utilize a, a whiteboarding tool within teams. Um, although I'm sure some of these other tools are way more interesting. Um, but, you know, as a, as a young company, we just say, okay, here are the tools we have. There's a need to whiteboard. Is there the opportunity to do that within the tools that we utilize? Um, thanks everyone for the, the discussion on that. Definitely some interesting tools to look into. Star, I definitely want to look into. Is it Textio, the one for the job descriptions? Oh, uh, Textio. Textio, awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so Thomas, you made an interesting comment earlier. Um, you know, you said that you don't really think it's technology, it's really what's going on that's encouraging us to have more connection with one another with what's going on. And I think you guys have been bringing up some great points. You know, in, in the environment we're in, we're seeing life happen, right? So we're seeing our colleagues and, and coworkers how they are. Um, we've got dogs, we've got kids, we've got cats jumping on, on calls with people, we've got coworkers walking across the background. So do you feel that, you know, with everything going on and being virtual, do you really feel like for your teams and what you're seeing that it's created more of a collaborative environment or less? What are your thoughts there? So, so I don't like what I've seen the last couple of years, you know, uh, I have a daughter that's 21 years old and I remember I was, uh, she lives in Denmark and uh, so a couple of years ago, she, I was texting, Hey, what are you doing? And she was texting back and I called her and she said, I don't, I, I don't have time to talk to you. I said, but we're texting, yeah, but I'm texting with five other people. And, and, and I, I didn't like that push into being, you know, on social media all the time and not really pick up the phone or get together and see each other. And um, 
So, so I, I somehow feel that the pandemic was was a blessing from that perspective because it interrupted everything. And and what I heard from our team members is that they, they when they spoke to each other, the first thing was how are you doing? Any any issues? How are your family doing? And start connecting instead of saying, hey, I have this task. Can you help me out with this? And then the same with the customers. And we, we urged them to call their customer and say, don't sell them anything. Just say, how are you doing? Can we help you with anything? And can we share some of our learnings and so forth? And I know some of our customers have copied our cooking and, and, and they're moving with Peggy and what have you. So, so I, I, I think it, at least for me and our company, is we all stopped up and said, hmm, maybe we're a little bit too busy in our conversation. Let's just ask, how are you doing? And make it, make it simple. Um, so we are a, le- a lot more connected. Our Glassdoor score on, on that time uh, when the start was 4.3 stars. And I don't know what happened, but we went to five stars in June. And uh, and that was the, our response to the pandemic and internally that, that helped. And it was, it was not, I didn't do anything. It was the team did it because they start asking and helping out each other instead of just focus on the task. I think for me on our team, I've seen, it's hard to answer as an entire team because I've seen some generational differences um, and some personality trait differences with respect to extroverts and introverts and how they view this whole pandemic experience. Um, For instance, me, I'm somewhat an extrovert, but surprisingly I've just gotten acclimated um, and and very comfortable working remotely at this point. Um, But for others um, and and some of the um, older folks on our team, um, I think are okay with working remotely, but we've noticed some of the kind of the youngest folks on our team are craving in person. They've asked, can we return to the office? I'm tired of working at home. Um, And so we're really looking at just from an operational standpoint, um, safely returning to work um, and how do we do that for folks that want to go back, uh, knowing that we have just mixed emotion and split preferences on how folks want to do it. Um, so I think overall, it's been a just as an entire team, a little harder from our perspective on cohesiveness, but we've really, I mean, to Thomas's point, I've tried to put in um, um, group meetings and things like that that are purely social um, so we can have that connectivity. Um, so every other week we have um, a, a virtual event where we're doing something that's purely social, not work related. Um, and really trying to take into account these generational aspects depending on where you fall age-wise and personality aspects and how can we implement specific events that really address those various facets of our employee workforce. But I do think it's from my perspective and and we're a smaller team, I think mammoth companies have very different perspectives. Um, It's been harder to build that cohesiveness, but we are trying and we're cognizant of it. And and we're trying to do things in order to keep that connectivity since we're not all physically physically together. Yeah, I know for, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I was gonna say, I know for for us, we, we started off like very much trying to encourage like, if, if your spouse is walking by, like they don't have to dodge the camera, you know, <laughs> feel free to, to, to jump in and say hi, introduce yourself uh, if they, yeah, if they're okay with that. And same uh, with kids, as you can see with mine, <laughs> has no problem uh, jumping on screen for a little bit. And uh, I was, I was half expecting my, my son to, to come in and introduce and ask who all my friends are because that's, a, that's kind of a common occurrence on, on a lot of the calls that, that we have. And I think trying to encourage that, uh, everyone on our team knows now 
and more versus knows, you know, what grade is everyone in? You know, is everyone else still working from home in the house or are you by yourself? Uh, you know, those types of things. Uh, we had uh, one of our co-founders was supposed to get married a couple weeks ago. Um, so not only did they have to delay their wedding, um, but they're also like, my week long honeymoon is no longer a thing. And just like sitting with that, being like, do we take that time off still or not? And being flexible yeah. with folks. Um, it gives you a different element when it's the employee, you know, sitting there saying, well, what should I do here? And then you have their fiance like, yeah, well, we're just going to go camping for a weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. You know, it's just it's interesting to see how everyone's adapting to it. We did I this research. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we did this research this summer and we surveyed employers and then we surveyed employees on certain topics to see if there were gaps. And childcare was a big uh, gap. So, you know, I think it's just the reality everybody's dealing with. We talked about this a little bit before we even got on this, this panel. We, you know, we're all dealing with homeschooling and childcare needs in a very different way than before this year. And you know, what happened last year and the years before is that you would not talk about that at work. You would never, you'd make up any other excuse. You would rather say that you were sick than ever say your kid is sick and you have to stay home that day or you can't go to work because that somehow implies you can't, you can't handle both. Um, and that, that has to change. And what we found is that 11% of companies, only 11% are asking their employees about childcare issues right now. Everybody's doing these surveys. They do these surveys once a month on employee engagement, and they're not asking these questions on childcare. They're comfortable with kids coming on a Zoom call, but they're not saying, how are you? And how are you managing this? And then one in three employees said that they were comfortable talking to their managers about their childcare issues today. So I think, you know, there, there's so much has happened with feeling more comfortable in front of video and with your life being displayed, but we're still not asking and connecting how employees are doing with all of that. So that I had a, I had a, this is from, it's, it's this, this is from this morning's uh, all hands call we had. And, and it's a story about um, uh, every meeting we have, we start with organization clarity from all hands to my tactical meetings, all meetings start with, with organization clarity. And, and um, a month ago I had a mentor meeting with my chief marketing officer, Eve, and uh, she said, Thomas, uh, you know, I'm struggling because I'm a mom and I have career and I, I, I start blending all together and I'm getting a little bit stressed about it. And I know you are, uh, you know, you're a great guy that's making sure that we have a good work-life balance, but I have a hard time figuring it out. And uh, so I, I was asking a little bit into her and figure out if it was with us or the previous uh, uh, employer and was with the last three employers, so it's probably more her than us. So I, I said, you know, let me let me see if I know somebody in my network that is a, that is a super mom and have career at the same time. And I, I found somebody that have 700 people in her, in her team and, and have a kid the same uh, same age and connected the two of them. And she called me after this and said, Thomas, I, I, it, I just learned something very valuable. So, she, so Eve was saying to, to, to her now new mentors, you know, here's my problem. I feel guilty when I'm around two o'clock, sneak out to pick up my son that's 11 years old. And, and um, I have blocked it in my calendar, like private, not saying what I'm doing. My team knows it, but I still feel like I'm, I'm doing something I shouldn't do. And, and this person was saying, but um, you, you are a leader in the company and, and, and so forth. So why don't you make it 
public so people can see we're allowed to do things like that and, and, and encourage other people that might not do it but for thinking about it. So I think us as leaders, we have to 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 you know show the culture and show it's important and so forth. So, so Eve was sharing this story to all 400 people this morning. And and I and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of mom and dads out there and 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 children that have parents that have some needs that said, hmm, I am allowed to do that. And the more we talk about it, the more we share those stories, the more we will do it and it will become something we all do. Absolutely. I mean, we say the same thing with the, uh, it has to, and, and that's gender diversity. And we know women, based on studies, are penalized more heavily for missing work, for being a mom, compelled to mills, doing very similar things as a dad. There's all kinds of statistics around it. Um, and so it's probably part of the hesitation on why women don't want to talk about the childcare needs. Um, but um, to both Thomas and Madeline's point, it, they're absolutely right. Like this, the pandemic has brought this to the forefront. I am a mother myself and I, just to be candid, I'm treading water every day. Like I, when people say, how are you doing? I never, I used to give that canned response. I'm great, you know, in the elevator or whatever. Now I'm like, I'm surviving. That's my, that's my answer when anybody asks, I'm surviving from day to day. That's what I'm doing, um, you know, and, and hoping to thrive at some point in time. But I think the pandemic has made this very clear. I think executives have to lead by example. No employee in an organization who doesn't see their executive doing those things is going to do those things, period. Um, and they're not going to feel comfortable doing it. And there's in the back of the mind knowing that there's there is possibly in specific organizations increased penalties of doing so as a mother. Um, and it's it's a real thing as far as the struggle. And in, in my household and in, like many other households, the child care function of the household largely falls on me. Um, and so trying to balance those things and still focus on work and be the best that you can be. Um, is, you know, I, I, I personally struggle um, and, and my kids are still in virtual school. So uh, trying, you know, Skip, you talked about your iPad, that my kids are better at the iPad than I am with respect to working, working on their <laughs> iPad and, and knowing all the functions and, and they're young, they're, you know, five and seven. Um, but I think we have to do better. I think employers have to be very transparent about childcare and the struggles alongside that, alongside all other aspects of diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, I think we have to not be afraid to ask those questions. And I think as employers, we have to provide the necessary resources to help our employees with their mental health. Um, and that's inclusive of, you know, I talked about the black employee experience, but that's true of mothers um, and that diverse specific demographic, because there are specific nuances and difficulties that your employees are suffering as a result of working from home. And we talked a little bit about the blurred distinctions between personal life and work life. And I've seen it, I've witnessed it, and I do it every day. Um, and to Ryan's point, you know, my kids are running in all the time on calls. And I remember very clearly the first time they did it, you know, I got stiff, not so much in my internal team because we're small and I don't really care. But when we're doing, when I'm doing business development pitches and talking to employers or talking to external people, I, I, you know, I was stiffening up. I was like those reporters you've seen on CNN who are reporting and they're, you know, the kid comes over their head and they're freaking out. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, this is me. This is the truth. Oh, hold on one second. My daughter wants to say hi. Okay. Yes. Okay. Let's get back to what we were talking about. And so I think there's a lot of adjustments made, but I think to everyone's point, I think we're all on the same page. Uh, leadership at companies really have to do better, ask the right questions, and focus on providing the resource needed for these various demographics, mothers being one very important one they should focus on. Yeah, the one, the one thing I would add to that, totally agree with you, Start. The, um, the one thing I think is not happening enough is the dads out there, kind of like what Thomas was talking about, being vocal about their responsibilities. Um, and it's, it's, 
it's unfair to the mothers that are out there making it feel like they're the only ones that need to speak up and, and kind of unify just to themselves. I think the dads out there need to be speaking up as well. Um, and it's, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate. My wife and I pretty, pretty equally split duties. And um, it's been a blessing for us. In fact, when I was in grad school, my son was born when I was in grad school. So I was able to stay home with him um, when he was born, which was, which was great. And it was really an atypical experience for a lot of men. Um, and I've always made sure that people know about that. And not because it's, I'm proud of me being able to do it because I want to see other dads doing it and taking, you know, some of that stress off the moms. The moms carry way too much burden. And unfortunately, a lot of the dads, whether intentionally or unintentionally, put that on them. Um, but the other thing I was just going to kind of come back to, and this was something that, that Thomas had mentioned about the work-life balance part of this. One of the things I'm really excited about from a technology front is the opportunity for tech companies out there to help with that balance of work-life. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's more like work-life infusion these days. There's, you know, depending on how hard you're shaking the shaker is and how infused they are, but um, you've got to have those downtimes. You've got to keep that separation. Um, and, you know, whether it's at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon where you're going to go take a walk or you're going to a child's doctor's appointment, whatever it is, the ability to help support those activities. Um, you know, particularly with, I think many of us are using Slack or Teams predominantly. I think if we look at those two particular tools, the vast majority of at least the U.S. workforce is leveraging those to some extent right now, um, which is great because it helps with the connection, but it is a, an immense interference in that balance, right? So if, if something pops into my head at 10 o'clock at night and I want to send a note out, there's nothing that stops me from doing that. The problem is I'm now interrupting everybody that's on that thread. And, you know, I, I won't say that I'm perfect about remember to do that. One of the things I try and remember to do is not for tonight, just so I don't forget, or I do something to try and separate that, but that's not enough. The software providers need to come up with some additional solutions to kind of help mitigate some of that, I think. So one, one thing is leading by example. Another thing that leaders has to do better is being vulnerable. Um, and, and one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm a super open guy and the entire company knows that I have a daughter that's 21. She lives in Denmark, so I haven't seen her since uh, early February. And I'm not going to see her before, yeah, whoever I can travel to Europe sometimes next year. That, that sucks, I will be honest about that. But, but being open and honest about it, that is, that is inviting other people being open and honest about their issues and problems. And that, that's how we can help each other. But if all leaders you know, uh, move around like rock stars and we have control of everything, people are not opening up for you. Yeah, great. That's a great point. Um, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to our nonprofit partner. Um, so everyone on, so for those of you who donated, thank you so much. Um, and this this kind of ties back to Star's earlier point. So everyone on is a nonprofit that's dedicated dedicated to creating social and economic opportunity by connecting low-income families to affordable internet service and computers and delivering some of those digital skills trainings, right? So helping to level that playing field a little bit, which I think now that virtual school is a thing and it's a reality is kind of highlighting some of those disparities. So it's a great, great um, partnership. So um, if you have not dug into them and you're uh, attending this call, I encourage you to look into what they do and seeing how you can help out there. Um, so what are three actionable ways that we can use workplace technology now and also in the future um, to make work better for all humans everywhere? What do you guys think about that? 
first thing I would say is, is be willing to take risks and opportunities with it. Cause you're going to, there's going to be lots of new technologies and lots of new opportunities for you to, um, you know, expand and connect with your team. Um, not all of them are going to work, but you won't really find out if you don't give it a try. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about what if all the time internally, and that's, you know, it, we, if you just take those opportunities, if you don't take those opportunities, you'll miss out, your organization will miss out. So take those shots at it and, and uh, see what happens. I think you need to involve employees too in those decisions. I think so often technology decisions are made by specific teams or from leadership, and you have to involve employees in, in what you know, decisions that you're, you're gonna make around technology that they're gonna use, otherwise they won't use it. And they might have ideas, you know, whether it's setting up uh, different committees to, to be involved with that or having champions that are just employees. Um, but I think the more that you involve them in those technology decisions, uh, the more likely they are to, to use and adopt the solutions. I think um, I agree with all that. I think we um, have our current work environment now. I think companies across the board have learned tremendously uh, lessons about how to move forward. And I think it's important as companies think about the future of work, how to leverage those learnings in a way that makes sense. I think companies have to uh, really think through the contingency plans, right? That traditionally were with respect to cybersecurity incidents, uh, power outages, uh, natural disasters, and really think through things like quarantine, school being out, uh, things of that nature, because this, who knows, this may happen again, this may be ongoing. Um, so I think it's important that companies are very, and I think the, the good word for this is intentional in their technologies they use, thinking about that, keeping that in the back of their mind. Um, and also really, again, we're proponents of talking to your employees, to Madeline's point, uh, involving your employees, speaking to them and making sure they're involved and building those relationships and trust, especially as we move forward in the future to a likelihood that we continue remote work uh, through, through many of our companies. I think one of the biggest trends that I've probably seen take root at least over the past few months is that companies need to get really good at, you know, to see point, trying out new things and implementing them, but also doing that and recognizing that you're probably never going to have like a not peak time. You know, I think some companies I remember seeing at the beginning of the pandemic, they're like, Hey, we're, we're slowing down our hiring. So we were planning on implementing a new ATS. You know, in January, we're going to go ahead and do it now because we're not doing a lot of hiring. And it just made more sense because we had the, the bandwidth to do that. Uh, talked to, a, you know, one of the world's largest retailers and they, you know, were asked, how do you decide when to implement technology? You know, do you have lockdown times? Do you have times where we can't really address this because we're too busy? It's peak season. It's, it's the springtime. It's Christmas time. It's Black Friday. And their response, I think, was really eye-opening. They just said, because of COVID, every single day now is a peak time. You know, we get 10 times more traffic to our website. We get 10 times more candidates to our career page. We have to be able to adjust at peak performance or else we're not going to do anything. We're not going to be able to make any changes for, you know, 12 to 18 months. And, and we can't accept that. So they laid that out as the biggest problem, which was we are going to be working harder than we have, and we still need to be able to implement more and be more agile despite that. 
So I think how that translates is a lot of people getting really good at trying new things, starting small, scaling things up quickly um, and figuring out what works. And you know, to Madeline's point, solving problems that employees have, not necessarily that like just the HR team has. I think that's a great point. We have a good question in the Q&A section that kind of touches on what we were just talking about. So um, is there a specific technology out there that can help protect work-life balance? Have you all seen anything? I would say before before you look at the technology, make sure you look at the culture and kind of your the way you're reflecting it. Start with the people first. Um, otherwise, otherwise, the technology is just technology for its own sake. Um, Specific to the technologies, I've not I've not seen any really great ones, um, other than on like kind of some individual like local computer things where they shut off your internet or things like that, which are good. They're still useful, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how bigger solutions come out to address that at you know company wide level. Come up with ways that you can actually, um, you know, restore balance across an organization, not just on an individual level. Yeah, I was going to say the same, Skip. It, it's, it's, it's not the technology, it's, it's the CEO and his or her actions. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I mean, even in the legal field, I remember the, it was a big deal for law firms to switch over to um, uh, limitless vacation or whatever. You can take as much vacation as you want, but <laughs> not one person in the law firm took longer than a week ever. You're right. Maybe if you're getting married for your honeymoon, then that's it. Um, so, you know, technology aside, I think it really is about the culture. And again, what your executives are doing, are they taking vacation? Are they encouraged? Are they verbally encouraging their employees to take vacation and emphasizing the importance of work-life balance through all their communications? That is what's going to encourage people to appreciate a work-life balance and take those vacations and get that mental health break. Um, and, and that's where you're going to see true movement of the needle. And I can't wait to call Thomas after this and say, how do I work seven hour, you know, work days and, and not work on the weekends? Cause I, I too, I struggle with work-life balance as I talked about. And I'm, I'm an open book. Like I will talk about my struggle my kids treading water. That's the truth. That's where I am. And I, and I do that with my employees to know, let them know that I'm, I'm struggling too. And what can I do to help them? Um, in order, because I know they're struggling just like I'm struggling. So, you know, so for me, yep. it's, 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 it's uh, so we don't work when we're on vacation. And uh, I, I don't like those. I'm on vacation from Thursday to Monday, you no, know, take a week or two off or three for that matter, and, and, and be disconnected. And there's many stories in our company of me calling IT and say, hey, can you switch off Jasper or Eve or whatever they're calling my leadership? Uh, because they're sending emails and then I get a call saying my email is not working so you know call me on Monday when you're off or when you're back <laughs> so, so, so again it starts from the top and if, if we start sending emails when we're on vacation you are sending a signal that's what we expect from you um, and, and then and then the typical answer is yeah but I need to and to say but you're telling me you don't have a succession plan in place um, that's what you're telling me so maybe you start there um, because we, 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 we have to be off so we can come back with new energy. And I'm happy to start to give you some, some tips and tricks. And by the way, we have six, seven weeks vacation in Denmark on top of the 37 hours. <laughs> so. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah, One other suggestion. That's, I'd, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, one, one suggestion I'd say is, is also not just about, you know, the kind of the representing what you should be from a leadership perspective, but manage up as well. 
So not everyone's in the, in the top executive role and it's, it needs to be okay for you to push back and say it's not acceptable or hey, even better, you know, I often suggest it's okay to tell me to go take a break if I'm pushing too hard. Um, you know, so it's, it is, there are all sorts of opportunities in terms of, of changing how we look at this culturally to, you know, to say enough's enough. I have this fun story from, um, I was reading a blog, uh, Daimler Chrysler in Germany. They have this, uh, when you go on vacation, you have to uh, delegate uh, to, to somebody else. And then there will be an out of office saying, hey, I'm on vacation until whatever date. If you have anything, please reach out to blah, blah, blah. And uh, by the way, this email has been deleted. I will never see it. And, um, and, and you will not get any emails when you're on vacation, period. So, so I, I, I said that in the company and I was actually going on vacation and uh, my auto reply was saying the same. Then somebody in support, uh, he took that and did the same. And they, they actually called me when on vacation say, you, they, we, we have no policies and they were panicking. And I just said, that's a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know one tool that, that uh, actually one of our employees used just for personal use to limit his own amount of time he spent on Facebook, it's called Freedom. And we were, we did a little like, uh, you know, how's everyone coping? How's everyone adapting to this um, over, you know, one of our standups. And, and he just said, uh, yeah, I just, I flipped it around. I said, I can't access, you know, any of these websites after 5 p.m. so that I wasn't getting pulled into work outside of times. And that kind of prompted a whole discussion for us and, and how our team, um, we're very heavy Slack users. So, you know, actually using like the out of office or your status, you know, if you're, if you're going to lunch, like say you're, you're going to lunch, if you're going for a walk, like update that. Um, and people felt weird, like changing that for like 10 minutes, but then they said, well, now I know that you are doing that and you want that time. So I'm going to wait until you get back online to send you this message. Um, so that was one thing that I think people have, uh, uh, grabbed onto and, and things that like I've really enjoyed and like I did so I you know wouldn't uh <laughs> wouldn't work past a, a certain hour I'm very much a workaholic the team knows it but they they also know that if I uh send something at a certain hour that there's not no expectation anyone should even open it or read it <laughs> um uh, that it can wait until whenever they are going to get back online which like for some folks it's 11 a.m that's their the start to their day um yeah and for others, it's, you know, they, they start at five because that's when their kids are up and they, they would rather be done at work uh, at 2 p.m. as opposed to be working late hours. You know, I've gotten mixed reactions. I use the, the do not disturb settings on both my computer and on my, my phone. Um, and, you know, people are so used to an immediate response. Um, you know, sometimes they get a little annoyed and I can, I can, you know, if you try and text me at, you know, after about nine o'clock at night, chances are I won't see it because I turn off all the notifications unless I happen to pick it up. Um, and I had a conversation with somebody who was texting me and I said, well, if it was really urgent, they were, it was like 930 at night. If it's really urgent. You can always call me. Well, I didn't want to call you. Well, then I'll, you wait until tomorrow morning when I see the text uh -huh. and I'll respond. Right. <laughs> but they right. were really, really disturbed that I wasn't looking at my text. I'm like, well, after 9.30, it's off, so <laughs> I may not see it unless it's an emergency. I think a lot of it boils down to communication. I mean, I think a lot of people 
uh, executive or leaders are well-meaning. And so they'll think of something while they're sitting on the couch, shoot off an email. And then as the subordinate or other employee that reports to that person, of course, I mean, the reactions, oh, they're sending me a, an email at 10 o'clock. Um, so I like Ryan's manage up point. I think it's important. I mean, I know I had discussions like that, especially when I was in the law firm. I'm like, look, is the expectation when you email me at 11 p.m. to respond to you right then and there, knowing that emergencies are outside of this context, right? There's always emergencies, especially when you're doing provision of services, you're at the client's um, beckoning call. Um, but I do think it's important with communication, having clear communication, having part of that human interaction with respect to setting expectations and managing up. I think the um, I think it's important for executives to set that, but not all executives are the same um, and don't really even realize that, right? And so I think to Ryan's point on the managing up, that's where it's really important as an employee trying to figure out what is the expectation? Am I supposed to respond within 10 minutes of an 11 p.m. Uh, email that I'm getting? Um, so I, I really think the name of the game there is, is communication, both downward from executive level and, and managing up in a respectful way, obviously, because they're your boss. I can tell you, send later is a great feature, right? Yeah. So you can use yeah. that with Outlook or Google, you know, Boomerang. be respectful of others yeah. and send it later. Yep. <laughs> and Boomerang, yep. 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 Agreed. I utilize a lot of those now um, because early on I was sending things off and then I realized, oh my gosh, people think I want them to respond, but it's really, it's really me being well-meaning yeah. but thinking I got to get this off my brain because my bandwidth's about this big and after COVID it's about this big. So I got to get things off my brain before I forget and they're important. So yes, I've started um, implementing, that's a good point, Skip, uh, technologies, right, that allow you to send um, emails later um, that are completely scheduled for that purpose. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think you guys are all nailing this. One of the things that Living HR does internally is we have buddies. So around the holidays, when you're taking time off, um, we want to make sure that we're providing exceptional client service, but we want our people to fully disconnect. And so you have a buddy and that buddy covers for you so that you're not answering emails or text messages or Zoom messages. Um, you know, that person, you know, has your back and can answer all that for you. So that's been really helpful and it makes you feel secure and disconnecting. There's not some sort of wild emergency that's going to pop up that needs your attention because your your buddy is there for you. So I think that's been really helpful for us too in terms of a strategy. That's awesome. It's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Please feel free to steal that, everyone. Um, I've noticed more and more people on using social media to share when they're taking a well-being day. This is very new this year too. It's like I. I need a mental health day on Friday, so I'm taking one. And then, you know, everybody's like, that's great. Um, which also feels like something that would never have happened last year. So I think that's probably, Tom, to your point, that starts with the leadership and then they feel comfortable being recognized for that. Yeah, so we, we actually, uh, we have uh, demanded uh, the entire company to take a day off. So uh, first day afternoon, we just send an email out saying, by the way, you all off tomorrow and have a great long weekend. And Monday is a bank holiday, so it will be even, even longer. And then people say, yeah, but what? No, the leaders are back. We will take care of the business and see you on Tuesday. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually suggested, and you know, Star was talking about the move to unlimited PTO a few years back and everybody's bragging about that. But I'm sure by now, most of us know that the research shows that you actually take companies yeah. that have unlimited yeah. PTO, you take less time off. I think we need to move it to mandatory PTO. People take your time off, disconnect, move away. And, you know, it's, we, you know, often people are using it for savings banks or other things. 
great, understand the intention, but the intent and the benefit for the company and the individuals for them to actually unplug, take that time off and, and disconnect. That's what it's for. I think some big old consulting firm came in and said, you know, a way you can save money and appear to be employee, uh, pro-employee. You don't have to play out any accrued vacation because there is no accrual. If an employee decides not to take vacation, they've decided on their own accord. Um, and I think that just spread like hot fire and yep. we all know the, the side effects of that. So. Awesome. Well, we're having some great um, questions come into our Q&A chat. So I'm going to uh, read one off and please feel free, whoever wants to take it, take it. Um, so the first question that came in is, should individuals learn skills in CRM software, NetSuite, et cetera? Is this a new technology tool along with video conferencing systems that you feel are needed for a successful future? Not specific to CRM, but I would say you should constantly be learning new things always. Um, it's, a, it's a never ending uh, kind of cycle, if you will, of learning new technology because it's, you know, the big concern people are talking about right now is that technology is going to displace workers, right? It's going to start doing the work others are doing. And the easiest way to do that is keep learning new skills and broaden your capabilities, which I think that was actually some of the other, there was another question there about kind of skills, skill building, but that's, that's the key thing there. It's not about a particular software. It's about broadening your own capabilities and, and your ability to um, expand your skill set for sure. And discover new technology. I think with that, you know, not just learn the technology that your companies, you know, discover technology that helps you do your job better and that you could even introduce to your organization. The great answers. And it's a great question to ask too. Um, what do you feel will be the role of technology in networking, which typically takes place in face-to-face -face physical spaces like conferences and things like that? This is a great question. To me, this one's a hard one because I feel like the in-person networking is so valuable and it's really hard to replace that. You know, the happy hours is one example, you know, Brian, to your point, I think that a lot of people don't feel connected that way. And it just feels like, uh, taking up more time. Um, you know, and I've seen a lot, I've been on a lot of virtual conferences since, since this year started and the networking options don't seem to be very effective. Um, so I think it's, to me, it's a lot of social media and I hate to say that, but I think that's, you know, tends to be where a lot of people spend their time and, you know, a, a, a lot of networking is done. I don't know if anyone has other experience there. I would agree with that. <laughs> so we, yeah. we, uh, for, for like... yeah, everybody, I think it's difficult to answer. And uh, uh, the, the day somebody knows that, please let me know. But what we have done, uh, we just hired a neurologist and a public speaker. And uh, we are parting the two together to figure out how what can we do to, to get that networking. Uh, because I don't think anybody have nailed yet. Um, and I wonder if you can nail it uh, because it's super difficult. It's it's face to face, and the random talks in the hallway. So it is very difficult. It's so difficult. I agree. Um, and I do a fair amount of public speaking, um, and it's easier from a speaker. Uh, perspective because you're not traveling and doing all that stuff. But it's a great question because networking is hard. What I have found. Uh, either through, you know, we do a lot of a fair amount of webinars with some big names. 
Um, we have been very successful during these remote times to catch some big names who are willing to do it because it is remote um, and they have a bit more time and can squeeze it in um, to talk and, and be filmed and answer questions about diversity, equity, inclusion. I've also had a lot of friends tell me they've received um, very good responses with respect to like utilizing LinkedIn and just blindly hitting folks that they would like to have mentorship relationships. Again, I think because people are more willing to say, yeah, let's have a virtual coffee. I don't have to leave the house for an hour and talk to you and get back to work. Um, so I do think there's some glimpses of networking that are much more intimate that you could probably utilize given more people are working from home and and view it as less time. But just like before COVID and networking um, in person was occurrence, even when you were networking in person, it could easily mean nothing, right? You meet someone, you get their card, and then you have a pile that collects dust on your desk. The key to networking, whether it's virtual or not, is the follow-up, the relationship building, and being very intentional on how often you follow up and how you follow that relationship post-meeting someone. And I think that falls true no matter what, whether you're doing in person, whether you're doing online, I think the follow-up is key. And I think it's even more key when you're, when you're doing things virtually, but I think there's some glimpses, but it's, it's a, it's an age old question here during these uh, COVID times because networking, there's nothing like the face-to-face -face and we're, we're, we are where we are. So I think just figuring out a way, how do you continue that relationship and build that relationship beyond the, the virtual face-to-face -face is key. Whether you're trying to follow someone after a conference and they're speaking, whether you have that one-on-one -on -one coffee chat, based on a LinkedIn inquiry, um, I think the key is just the follow-up. Yeah, no, I think the, the nice thing, it's, I was going to say, it's, it's, there's some sense of uh, intentionality now starting to help or starting to happen as a part of this, right? So it's, I think all of us struggle with how to do this in this new environment, but at least now we're starting to see very intentional behaviors on how to connect with people. Um, and uh, so I think that's, you know, one potential positive that comes out of this is new ways to find opportunities to network and connect with folks. Yeah, I remember hearing from uh, a fellow CEO in town, large company, they, they used a, a Slack tool called Donut, which like I heard it and I was like, this is just one of the coolest things, but you just like plug it into Slack and it'll like automatically ping two random people at the company and be like, we found time on your calendar. You'll have like a 15 minute call you know, you're in sales, you're in product, we just want to connect. Um, and uh, you can have like scripted questions, but it's just kind of like a asynchronous kind of random, here's how we're going to get people to have some more like serendipity uh, in the workplace where otherwise you would just kind of stay in your team and never really have any of those. So Donut was one that was really cool. And then just like for me personally, uh, there have been two things that have been kind of interesting. I have a um, a friend started a company called Protopia. They help um, universities connect their alumni with their students. So if you're a student, um, uh, I went to NC State. So uh, a student at NC State was able to ask a question about starting a business. And uh, the software pinged me and was like, hey, we saw that you're an alumni of NC State and you uh, have your own business. Would you be open to a 30 minute call with this, you know, junior uh, business student uh, to answer his question and, and kind of go into that. So like, that was just really fun. Uh, I, I don't get to go into college campuses uh, like I used to. We don't have as big of an internship program as we used to, uh, but that was a, a really kind of fun thing. Um, and then the last thing, and, and I don't know if, if 
anyone else can relate to this, but I, at least in our team, we've tried to be very open and saying, if you have a, a side project that you want to work on, um, uh, you know, go for it. And one of those for us was uh, uh, creating a site called Pledge My Check, where we encourage people, if you got the stimulus check and you didn't need it to, you know, give it to someone who did. So a couple people on our team uh, kind of thought it up, reached out to some of their friends. And within like two weeks, we had like 25 people on a weekly Zoom call building this thing. And it raised like people, well, people donated about a quarter of a million dollars over a couple of weeks. And it was just this great way to meet all these other people in our space. And we ended up hiring someone who worked on that project um, where like we needed a front end designer and they were great. So we brought them on. That's really incredible, Ryan. Um, and thank you guys for sharing all that and, and all the cool technologies you're encountering. Um, COVID, working remotely, family balancing act, all these things, what are some ways you're motivating your teams during these unique times? So one of the ways that, that uh, I have to uh, done it is first of all, tell my own story so they can see you, they're not alone. You know, uh, I think we all had the haircut issue the first couple of months, we couldn't get a haircut and so forth and then the children and what have you. So just being open and honest, then they will start seeing, hmm, I'm, there's no difference here. And then start reaching out, understanding, and then find some, some ways together. And, and, uh, and, and that's what have been motivating our team, having those conversations. Yeah, for us, it's really similar. I mean, for team, we do weekly team meetings, all hands on. Again, we're not a huge company, so we're able to do that. So really um, talking about how are folks struggling? How can we help? Open and honest conversations. Um, reaching out one-on-one, -on -one, you know, if I hear anything or see anything, I'll reach out and get more specific information. Um, and we, again, we try to do some of the fun activities to keep people's morale up. Um, one of the really popular ones that we do is a virtual scavenger hunt. And I thought, you know, we have somebody who oversees kind of culture and fun things to do. And the first time she mentioned it, I was like, huh? Yeah, like a scavenger hunt. Uh, but it really, it really brought us together because our team tends to be a bit competitive. Um, and there's prizes, you know, associated with winning some of these competitive, friendly virtual events. Um, and so and it's, it's literally like go find something that's yellow or go find something X, you know, within your household. Um, and, I, and I found that I'm me myself very, very competitive. and I'd be drained and sweat at the end of the scavenger hunt because I'm <laughs> running from object to object looking for it. But I, I think it's really for motivating, keeping morale up, keeping conversation open. I think it's just being very transparent about uh, from an executive standpoint, what am I going through? What are you going through? How can we help you? How can we help each other? Um, because at the end of the day, we <laughs> we spend a lot of time with our work folks, more time than um, some of us would like to admit, uh, and sometimes more time than our family. And work is a huge part of our lives. And so I think really just motivating them through honesty and transparency and trying to think of uh, unique ways in this time to motivate and, and keep the morale up uh, among your employee workforce. That's advice. And I think um, I, our kids school does that and it, it keep the kids you can see are immediately happy when they do the scavenger hunts. Um, I think one thing that I've seen that's really effective too, and it's really simple, is just recognition. It's just saying, great job. Thank you. 
we appreciate you. And it sounds so basic and it sounds like this is something that happens all the time, but it doesn't. I mean, we even found in our research, only one in two employees have had any type of recognition since January. So everything happening with COVID, they're working, they're putting the hours in, they're under these really stressful situations and only one in two of your employees have received any type of thank you. And just that, that little, like a, a little email, a little, you know, phone call that says, thank you so much. This really helped our company and we appreciate you can go such a long way. That's a really good point. I had a talk recently with our co-founders. As a young company, it's so hard because everything is like, go, 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 right? You're pivoting and COVID happens, things are happening. And it is so, um, it's, it's easy to forget that um, your employees are there and they're working their butt off. And one of the things I recently uh, got reminded of, we were selected um, as part of the Google Accelerator uh, for Black Founders. They reminded us, you need to treat your employees like volunteers. You need to treat all of them like they're volunteers. Just keep that in your mind. Um, and so I have found myself, because I, I get super stressed being a co-founder in a young company, that I have to reset and always express gratitude to the folks on my team and say, thank you so much for work. Because they're all, they're all busting their butts, too. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that we try to reset and do, um, we, we hit milestones. We hit... Um, things that we're very happy about. And a lot of times, you know, like um, we just got featured on GMA this past weekend, our employees will look at us and say, you guys never celebrate any big wins. You know, you got featured in Entrepreneur Magazine. You, you're like, okay, that's great. Yay. Okay, let's talk about this. How are we going to maneuver this? I mean, so it's even as simple too, when we do something collectively as a team, when we're recognized as a company, pausing and making sure that we celebrate collectively as a team, I think is, is super important too. And, and it's hard to re remind yourself of that when you're so busy all the time, especially during COVID, when you're balancing all these facets of life. You're absolutely right, Star. Um, so we have one minute left and we really want to be respectful of everybody's time and end promptly at 1.30. So thank you so much. Um, you know, you all have been wonderful and provided this really fantastic conversation around transparency um, and really putting humans first and then using tech to support that. So I appreciate you all spending 90 minutes with us and sharing your insights um, and really engaging in a great conversation around tech. Any final parting words from anybody? I was just waiting for the, that child coming into the camera. <laughs> Bingo. Got a perfect way to end the call. <laughs> knew it was going to happen. And I didn't step up. I'm like, come say hi. Okay, bye. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Nice Thanks, meeting everyone. you all. Thank Appreciate you so much. Discussion.